There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. 25 years ago today, Pam Greer rolled up to the Golden Globes as a Best Actress nominee for Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. I spoke to Greer in 2017 when she came to DC for the Salute Her Awards luncheon and Ubiquitous Expo, as well as to promote the new streaming service Brown Sugar as a platform to watch Shaft, Superfly, and her own iconic film, Foxy Brown. Jason! How are you, Ms. Greer? Well, I am, as they call me, you can call me Miss Pam. Miss Pam, how are you, Miss Pam? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, you know, they call me also Dr. Greer, so whatever you want. Dr. Greer, Dr. Foxy, Dr. Brown, any of those work? <laughs> hey, yes, chef. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you for your time. This is an extraordinary, you know, event for me. As always, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, and I am surprised and humbled and honored and... It's great because I'm a teacher, and I think to be able to share your path so you can move forward with new invention, with ideas, with, with because I, I think the streaming service of, of Brown Sugar from Bounce TV is, is just one of the, it was so long overdue. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so we have a ton of stuff we can talk to you about. Um, but oh for- my God, more than a ton. How about two tons? <laughs> Make it ten tons. Um, okay, we got ten going. Let me tell you. And and for one reason, my mom has been very ill. She's eighty eight, and she couldn't afford to go to movies, just like probably a lot of our parents, because they wanted to keep us in school and clothed, and you know, made sure we had everything. And so during you know the winter, um, and as Brown Sugar was being released. My, we just had a movie-thon festival of, of brown sugar content and popcorn and movies she hadn't seen, and she laughed. And, you know, they're movies that, that our greatest stars are, have been in, and they're obscure, haven't been seen. And now you can revisit and see these films, and hopefully it will inspire new filmmakers. Absolutely. Um, let, I mean, we're, we're talking about some of the, the films that you can see on brown sugar. Uh, do, do you have a list of some of them, the ones that are going to be on there? Um, I do. There's over 200, uh, and I don't know if you have all day. However, <laughs> Cotton comes to Harlem um, with some uh, with um, Godfrey Cambridge in the heat of the night with Sidney Poitier, Car Wash with Richard Pryor, The Hammer, Black Caesar with Fred Williams and Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Then you have mine, Foxy Brown, Jackie Brown, Coffee, Sheba Baby, Black Mama, White Mama. Original Gangsters, a Drum, and another 150. That's so great. Any, any Shaft or Superfly on there? Uh, yes, Superfly and Shaft are there. And also, Richard Pryor had done a war film um, that was obscure. Of course, we had to watch it. And he was brilliant. 
The story was wonderful. Back, you know, you didn't see as many movies because I don't think they had, you know, the promotional budget to see some of the films. They are extraordinary. It's worth revisiting just to spend a weekend or a, a, a film party just watching these great films, which is, which is a part of not only cinematic but artistic history and our cultural history. Absolutely. How do our how do our listeners uh, sign up for it? What's sort of the you know some of the logistics there? Well, the logistics is brownsugar.com, and I think Apple has a a link to it, and so does Microsoft. Um, they both have links to Brown Sugar, um, and I think it's brownsugar.com. Gotcha. And and do you know the? You, do you can't know what it, miss it. it every, you'll, you'll get hundreds of links. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, uh, on your phone or iPad or or a laptop. Um, but that's where you can find um, it, it. And I must say that uh, it is extraordinary at this time because we have the access to so many, you know, cable companies, pay per view. And we have the streaming on our computers. Absolutely. So, how did, was this your brainchild? You and you and a couple other people. Like, I want to know. Oh, how, I'm not that smart. I, I was, <laughs> and I have been. Matter of fact, I came up with when I back in the early '90s. I always thought of with all of the you know going to the black uh, media and journalist conventions, and I'd be on the panels. Um, and I always asked, when was there? When would there be a Afrocentric, a black network that's not cable, you know, to be equated to NBC, ABC, CBS, supported mm-hmm. by advertisers. Right. And everyone, the room went silent. You could hear crickets. And I said, it's not that difficult. There's a few billionaires. You don't need that much. And I think you can you have an IPO, put a, a, a company together of reputable people where people, investors wouldn't lose their money. Mm-hmm. And they know that it's going to a great, you know, cause a network which would have Afrocentric, Afrocultural news, like a CNN all day. Right. Could ha- There's so much going on. Art history, PBS, Henry Louis Gates, historical. You know, there's so much, and and everyone's now recovering the inventions of our our, our heroines and and heroes. From uh, medicine to uh, a t- a scientific tests, if you look at, you know, um, the women from um, the, the movie we saw with Taraji P. P. Hinton, you know, the, the people didn't even know, were aware the hidden that figures. these hidden women figures, were yeah. scientists for NASA and had to fight just to be recognized. And that's, that's a part of, of history. And now when you have, you know, with hidden figures, so now when you have probably more that are going to, you know, uh, be uh, found, discovered, it's, it's more content, more movies that people will say, yes, but it's, it's not only is it entertaining, it's education. Absolutely. Without being in a, a school, in a class, in a book, and, and, and everyone's trying to keep everything close, you know, as valid as possible. Um, cinematically, but it's just so informative. People are going, oh, how wonderful is this? You know, so it brings a feeling, almost a political and consciousness of pride. Well, it's such it's such a great idea, and you mentioned sort of you know Taraji and Hidden Figures and those actresses today. But you were really one of the one of the pioneering ones, man. I mean, I, I mean, you got. I mean, I, I I do take that credit because 
in, in back, as I was raised from my grandparents from Wyoming, my great-grandmother had a sugar beet farm and a hotel for the blacks and Chinese that worked on the railroad mm-hmm. and outside of Cheyenne, Wyoming, way back in the day, early 1900s. She was an entrepreneur. And that's my grandfather wanted to teach all the girls to be equal to the boys, to be able to hunt, fish, fix, you know, change spark plugs, you know, change a tire, bring the boat in. Do She wanted the girls to do everything the boys could do. He was the first feminist in my life that said life is imbalanced if a woman cannot do things and a man will respect her if she can. So that had been my mantra all my life, and I brought it to film. And at the time, the women's movement was beginning with Gloria Steinem leading the charge for equality. And my mom, when we went to England, there were um, women there who were all white, and we lived in a community off the base, their base, and um, they were so into American. What were the, they loved Fats Domino. They loved Nat King Cole. Right. They loved American music and dancing and culture and clothing and the pop culture of America. They, uh, Europeans loved America. Yeah. And they just didn't have the discriminatory, you know, uh, veil or curtain, if you will, against, you know, African Americans who came to Europe and Paris. Right. Like Josephine Baker and many of our musicians thrived because they just couldn't take the, the, discrimination in in America. They were more appreciated in Europe. And so that was a a great feeling to have there and then come back. And then there's these doors of of closure and Jim Crow doors and and discrimination and just craziness that I I could understand, I began to understand as a maturing uh, adult and one where my family was so into because when you live on an air air base or army base, you have to interact with other cultures. Right. And basically, you're the under the uniform, and you learn about other cultures, which is in many ways one of the best cultural and political educations you could have was in the military, because you needed each other to survive. So, with that said, we I had that tool as well. I had a military, a rural, and an urban, you know, education environment to to be exposed to various aspects of us, our, our, our U.S., our America, our history. And so I wanted to bring that to film. And everyone would say, no, nah, they're not going to. But I had the, the forethought of Roger Corman mm-hmm. and Jack Hill and Larry Gordon. And they had started AIP, American International Pictures, with James, Jim Markoff and um, James Nich- Nicholson. And they had already started films with Roger Corman with women being very independent. Um, they were, and they were exploitative. It was sexy. They were, you know, revealing in their clothing, and they women were hot and chewed gum. But it was very European, right? Right. Which the Europeans had a different flavor. It was, it was la dolce vita. You know, it was <laughs> new it wave. Was, new wave. <laughs> it was, you know, which we we had a very subtle puritanical American kind of background, and right. you know, often religious. You know, dogma was inflected and, and oppressed women, and women were waiting to burst out the seams. 
or as you say, burst out the bra, which they started burning. <laughs> <laughs> and you helped and, do it with Foxy Brown, memories of working in that role. I mean, that had to have changed your life. But also, I think she might have been it, the first it, female it, action my hero. My life was Foxy Brown before I did Foxy Brown. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I've, I've helped women who were being attacked in a parking lot, and I could have been hurt or killed. I risked my life to save a woman being beaten up by a mugger uh, who was trying to take her purse. Um, a, a puppy fell out of a van, and a vet had just adopted this puppy, and the window was open. It fell out in the middle of the intersection, and I pulled, pulled my car in the intersection and put my flashers on and jumped out and grabbed the puppy <laughs> and saved its life before it was crushed by traffic. So that's the real deal. I'm not going to hit my car. And so I, I, it, it, I was a perfect fit for the films that... Because I, oppression, I couldn't handle. Uh, being beleaguered with seeing people suffer. And my mom shielded the eyes of myself and my brother when we were had to walk and we couldn't ride the bus off of an air base uh, down south when we were small. She shielded our eyes because there had been something hanging from a tree. Oh, and I think it was um, a human Oh, being possibly uh, a black man, but whites were hung as well if they uh, colluded with uh, African Americans or hid them or allowed them to trespass, if you will. Oh. So um, when you have that and that the pain of that and seeing it in your mother's face, and then as you get older, you you see and understand things that oh my God, it was probably a man hanging from a tree, oh. and Strange Fruit was the Billie Holiday song right. that um, she recorded regarding that in the South. And it, I, when, you, when you aren't shielded for the reality, that's why I live in a kind of a rural area. I don't live in the big city of L.A. or New York. I, in hotels, I always stay in. But to be out in the real world, to see real people, real bigotry, real pain, real joy from some people who are just hardworking, honest people, and may say, you know, I don't like some of the people who are n but I love you, Pam, because you are fair. You take care of us. We don't see color in you. We see you as a fair person. And they have been taught by other news or family or culture that people of color, you know, are angry and resentful and are going to always try to, you know, be a part of some criminal act. And it's not true. But when I'm able to sit down with them, and let them know that not everyone of color is, is a criminal and that sometimes you believe because of your culture. I mean, you still have a constitution that says we, you know, African-Americans, blacks are three-fifths three of a human being. It hasn't been struck out. It's still there. Oh, my God. And people still believe it. So when you can have a body of film, of decades of film, of people being just like everyone else, the, the triumph, the struggle, the identity, the crisis, and now we're going to, into trying people trying to cope with gender identity. Right, that's the new and transgender yep. identity, yep. which is which, which is biological, and people still haven't grasped onto that. Right, absolutely. They're still trying to deal with people who were born gay. Are they really, or is it a choice? No, I don't think it's a choice when you're attracted to someone of the same sex. I think it's biological, and you don't have control of who you are supposed to procreate with. Right. I think it's that it's that deep, but no one, if it's not, you know, stamped, bona fide by somebody, 
then, you know, but it's up to us to educate ourselves. In order to, to encapsulate, trying to encapsulate myself and why I've done all the, the films that I've done, where I played Hershey Los Palmas, I played a man who converted to a woman in uh, Escape from New York, Snake Pliskin's best friend. Right. Carjack Malone. So I was able, I've been able to play a transgender person. And I've been, you know, and I think and the, the more we evolve cinematically, we're teaching through entertainment. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. And just kind of jumping off of that, um, uh, all, what you were just saying about um, sexual identity. You also did six seasons of The L Word. So there you yes, go. I, yes, I did. And I, I wanted to do it because I just did not know, was not aware of the discriminatory practices that the LGBT community had had to endure. And I really wanted to educate myself and learn about another culture, another, uh, you know, another group who have struggled, like African-Americans, like women, people of color, Asians who are put in, Japanese who are put in concentration camps. You, you know, you, you want, you need to do that. Or your, your life is not full. And, and you don't fill your life because you want to have an agenda or to oppress or to be rich or to have as many cars or you know, whatever. I do it because it, it's joy. Absolutely. Well, Life, all of our cultures, America, I wake up every day, and if I'm breathing, I'm going to have a good day. But I'm filled with joy at seeing, all, and to see Girls Trip and to see uh, Ava DuVernay and watch her, you know, I can't wait to work with her, to see so many of our young, you know, Issa Rae, when, you know, I just love her. I, I love Insecure. I love the fact that we're breaking out and being accepted. You know, you can, like I tell people, I'm, I'm, I do the tour for Brown Sugar and book signings of my uh, autobiography, which was written, the script was, uh, screenplay was written by Benny Richburg, who was one of the showrunners of Fresh Prince Martin and Jamie Foxx show. He's written the screenplay, and we're about to put together the whole film, get it going. Um, to see, you know, that I've come a long way, uh, not only by myself, but I did get my womanhood, my ideas from the women in my community. I was Foxy Brown before Foxy Brown. I was Coffee before Coffee. I was Jackie Brown before Jackie. And then the inspiration that of others have gotten from me, they will inspire others as well, which will be a part of our cultural identity, our cultural awareness and pride. So to be a part of this movement for women and, and wake up with that joy, let me tell you, is nothing sweeter. That's so awesome. You mentioned Jackie Brown. Before you go, I really, I really want to know what it was like working with, with Quentin. What was that whole experience like with Mr. Tarantino? It's a lesson. It's a master, master class. <laughs> it's a Ph.D. class in humanities. In filmmaking, um, I could, I could, I can't wait to sit down on more Q and A's with other groups on working with him, 
and what where he learned his craft from, as many places that I had learned mine as well. Um, but to he took a lot of his inspiration from many, many filmmakers, and from Bobby Womack, the music from the move, uh, music of the 60s and the 70s, and the clothing. You know, he, it, it, he grew up in a time where if you look at even Pulp Fiction, the clothing, this, like the skinny ties and the stingy brim hats and, you know, the dancing and the twists, you know, all of that's from a culture that we also loved. But, you know, but uh, and if you saw Five Heartbeats and thank God for Robert Townsend and his inspiration and so many of us and Eddie Murphy who brought something for us to value and look at and, and, and be prideful of and, and be horrified of and laugh at. You know, he, he Quentin, is, he, his work is extraordinary because he, like me, he observes real people. You can't be a great director and actor if you stay in a bubble. You need to get out, see people, smell people, feel them, hear them, and you will come up with good content. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's a genius. Um, and, and but it also, I think it also, in a way, kind of reflected back on your earlier movies and kind of cemented their place in our culture. Like, I think a lot of young people maybe watched Jackie Brown and then went back and discovered, uh, all, you know, those movies in the seventies. Yeah. So, so I thought, absolutely, I thought it was absolutely, a- they have, and they're doing it more every day. It seems like I'm invited to more, you know, uh, film festivals uh, all over the world. I just came back from Australia. <laughs> I'm about to be going to Montreal, it's, you know, it's Toronto Film Festival gave a great benefit for me, and, and the Lincoln Center uh, had a three-day uh, retrospective and a Q&A of all my work, and, and what was it like to play, you know, being youthful, and then now I finished a, a film called Grandmother's Murder Club with Florence Henderson, yeah. and I play a grandma, and we cutting and killing, it's great, <laughs> it's funny, and I just finished another one last summer with Civil Shepherd and James Brolin, and I befriend her and uh, take her to the end of her her life in in a in a great place. That's so I've, I've I've just had an extraordinary journey, and I hope uh, all all my youngins, my little sisters, my big sisters, they all get a chance to you know to to flex their wings and and discover uh, great narratives of our, our our journeys here on this planet. It's so it's so great, and like you're saying, they get that you get invited to film festivals now. Great, there's even, and what really blows my mind, I think it's so cool that even there's even college whole entire college classes devoted to the quote unquote black exploitation era, and they break it down on culturally, and it's just it, the the impact of this has has just gone on and on. Um, well, what they need to know, and when they say black exploitation, it was a coin. It was coined by the two black advertisers in in uh, American International Film Company that produced my film. So that the advertisers and the, the exhibitors would know that its exploitation is adult and there's going to be crime, good versus bad. There's going to be sexual content, some profanity. And when it came to black exploitation, it was it's for the black audience, which will have black genre and vernacular and culture and music and clothing. So it was basically to identify to the exhibitors, if it's a black film or a white film. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and that's what you have to clarify so people don't continue with a, a false narrative because they won't know what it means. 
Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that we need to we need to kind of push back on the notion that there was some stereotyping going on and look at, at that. that stereotyping st- a derivative. Everyone's derivative of everything. Right. Yeah. True. <laughs> well, you know, uh, but it if, also if you if you do one movie about deep sea water, there's three other movies being done. Right. 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 So aliens. Three other alien movies being done. Right. Right. Uh, cowboy movies. Three other True Grit and a few other you know westerns being done. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. But as far as exploitation, exploitation for us, we got into the unions. We were paid very well. Our unions protected our pensions. Uh, People got work. Um, No one was exploited or used, you know, worked for free or little. Everyone got because the unions demanded that. And that's one thing you can say about our Union Screen Actors Guild is that it protected the actor. And that's why you're protected on the set. You're protected with your insurance and your, your health insurance you have and, and your pension plan. So with that said, it, to be a part of our union, which is artistic film, um, cosmetic hair, everything, you, you know, you, you want to, and you, you are so, once you get in, there's a code of ethics that you have to follow. Right. And most people do. And so this, to be a part of it, to be a part of something that protects something artistic pride is very valued in our community in our film community and so that's why you see people working so hard you can make films for 5000 or 50 million now so with with great narrative and people we've created a brand which is called audience um, participation it's a class yeah to de- our audience development is a class in in film school how do you develop an audience that follows you know, um, say Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Robert De Niro, right, right, or um, Eddie Murphy. Right, right. These are classes that they you develop, so you can have a brand, a commodity that is worth something, is of value. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you've you've had a, an amazing career. Um, we will we won't you know we know you're busy, so we'll let you run. But before we go, remind us, um, remind our listeners how how they can see you. I know it's Friday at the uh, Salute Her Awards luncheon at the Marriott, and Saturday at the Ubiquitous Expo. Yes, I'm Expo. getting an award. You know, oh my goodness, uh, we're gonna have. I think it starts at eleven. It's an award luncheon, eleven to two. And that's on Friday, and then set. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I can't wait. I hope a lot of people uh, come, and I'll try not to be too crazy. But <laughs> at my age, I earned it. <laughs> you can do what you want at this point. <laughs> I earned every bit of it. Let me tell you, to do comedy, to make people laugh, to make people cry, to make people think. To me, I mean, uh, if you look at, I mean, here I am doing Escape from L.A., uh, you know, playing a, a man. It was great, and I'm flying around like some of the monkeys in in, in Wizard of Oz up in the air, <laughs> crazy stuff. <laughs> and then to do Miami Vice and and uh, Law and Order, because uh, I, I play a assistant attorney general, I had to learn a lot of legal, you know, dialogue, and and then to do Quentin's movie, and 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 and, and it, it was so the freedom of working with him. And you have to rehearse. But to work with him is pure freedom. 
That's one thing I can say, and I so look forward to, you know, another future with my age and my crankiness and, you know, get out of my way before my teeth fall out and I hit you with it, you know, kind of <laughs> thing. So I'm looking forward to it, aging well and, and sharing, you know, what I've learned with the youngins. Crank, cranky Brown. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be cranky or bitchy Brown. <laughs> Oh, that's the perfect place to leave it. That's hilarious. See, you you still got you're you're still quick and hilarious. I love it. Everything I do is stand up now. So I just came on out and said, "Let me show you how I can do it." I learned from Monique. Awesome. That's so great. All right. Well, everybody, come check out Pam Greer at the uh, Marriott Awards luncheon there uh, Friday, and then the Ubiquitous Expo at the Convention Center on Saturday. And then also uh, make sure you check out the streaming service, Brown Sugar. Thank you so much, Pam Greer. This was right. It's going to be Bitchy Sugar and Bitchy Brown. Hey. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. There you go. All right. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. All right, Jason. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.